ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I am Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. You can do that by email, and that would be ignition at sfcatholic.org, I-G-N-I-T-I-O-N at S-F-C-A-T-H-O-L-I-C dot O-R-G. You can also tweet at us using the Twitter handle at SFDiocese, S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E, and use the hashtag ignition. So uh, we should introduce ourselves a little bit more, Father. We we shouldn't we ought not presume that our listeners are repeat listeners because there might be first time listeners. Welcome. Uh, so yes, we, we're we're glad you're tuning in. Um, my name is Chris Bergwald. I'm the director of adult discipleship and evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Uh, I'm also, and more importantly, um, Jermaine's husband. Repeatedly over the history of Ignition, I've said Jermaine's wife because she's my wife. But I say I, I think you say that less than you think you do, and say that you did probably. Probably. Uh, and we have five kids together. We just, um, last month as we're recording this, celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary. Yay. So um, that's me. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson, a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls uh, since 2006. Uh, I've been uh, the pastor of St. Paul's Parish in White and the director of the, the Pius Health Newman Center since 2009. And sadly, we are coming down to the final episodes of Ignition with Father as my regular co-host. Um, wh- why are you leaving us, Father? Uh, life's just too busy. Life is just too and busy. And I'm just too old. <laughs> Father, actually, uh, commute, the way we rec- we've been recording Ignition for a couple of years now, uh, we used to do it remotely, but it, worked, it works better to do it in person. So Father has generously come, been coming down once a month and we record several episodes in one fell swoop, um, normally after lunch. So we're recording today before lunch, which is better because we're- High late. energy. <laughs> and I um, ran eight miles this morning, so I've got endorphins you are, right now. You are. Yeah, you were very excited. I told you you were enthusiastic about the last episode. I was. Um, I was. Yeah, not this Episode 323. <laughs> no. This is your topic yeah, area, not mine. Finally. And so just, finally we get something. Well, it's being fair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we talked about justice and authority in episode 323, if you missed last last episode. No, today is an episode that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Uh, uh-huh. it, it, it really is to both of us. Uh, Father, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about favorite scripture passages. Yeah, so we have been, um, over over the last few years, uh, and we're going to do this in a couple weeks, um, going through, giving little mm-hmm. introductions to the books of the New Testament. And scripture often comes up, of course, throughout all our episodes of Ignition. Um, but uh, I thought it might be fun to just, um, in this one of the final episodes that Father's recording, um, it might be fun to to talk about some of our favorite passages. By the way, I want to mention, if you've got ideas on how we might reboot Ignition with this transition with Father leaving, um, we're happy to hear them. If you've got ideas on potential guest or regular co-hosts, I'm also happy to hear them. So Father mentioned the email address earlier, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Send your thoughts our way. So Father, why don't you go ahead and start off with what's one of your favorite scripture passages? One of my favorite passages would be Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 and following to the end. So it's 25 through 30. 
Um, and I love it. We just had it as a Sunday gospel recently yeah. in year A just a couple weeks ago, and I love preaching on it. Um, so in it, uh, why do I love it? Well, uh, I love it for a couple of reasons. One, it's the gospel for the Feast Day of the Sacred Heart, and I grew yep. up in Sacred Heart Parish. Yes, you did. And uh, my dad had a great devotion to the Sacred Heart, and so he chose this as the gospel passage for his funeral. Oh, wow. Uh, funny story. Yeah. Uh, the deacon at the funeral read the wrong gospel. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. And so, oh. eh, all right. But um, so this gospel passage, love that. And then also I just love it from like a pure scriptural perspective and it's like the message in and of itself uh, and then the spiritual message and then like the tie-in of like other scripture passages that go on. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. So like, I love just the spiritual message. So the idea, first of all, uh, in the words themselves, like, you know, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm meek and humble of heart and you will find rest for yourselves. Ah, I mean, who does not need right. to hear that like on a regular basis? Right. Amen. Like if someone, if there was a service that would call you up each day and say like, hello, is Chris Bergwald there? <laughs> yes, this is Dr. Bergwald. Yes. Well, uh, Chris, uh, I just want you to know that uh, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things in the wise and just like read to you that passage. I mean, that'd be a nice thing. That would be a nice thing. Yeah. Um, Siri, could you read to me Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 and following? <laughs> okay, Google. <laughs> um, but uh, so I just like that. And then uh, the whole idea, too, of like the revelation of, of the Son mm. uh, in verse 27. Uh, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. And that's been a prayer of mine for a while now. You know, Jesus, reveal the Father to me. Jesus, reveal the Father's love to me. Reveal the Father's goodness to me. And that's just really beautiful. Mm. Yeah? Yeah, amen. Yeah. Why, can I say, so why, that latter point, What? Mm-hmm. what how has it been striking you or well, why has it been striking Just because I think, you know, one of the most important things for any of us in our spiritual life, but in my spiritual life, is just uh, knowing and abiding in the love of God the Father. Mm-hmm. Right? That because of sin, because of our rebellion, one of the things we doubt most of all is the love of God the Father for us. Right, you think about that kind of classic uh, Puritan sermon, we're all sinners in the hands of an angry God. Right. Uh, I'm not sure that's the God that Jesus reveals to right. us. Right? right. But at the same time, we have that tendency, like, oh, God's going to just, you know, beat the snot out of me right now. And, uh, well, no, you know, and so Jesus revealed the Father to me in his truth. And, and, when, and if I ask Jesus to reveal the Father to me, I also know that I'm not going to get like a... Uh, a watered down version or yep. a version that's just according to like my own tastes yep. and like, Oh God, the father says you should eat chocolate every night, you know, as much as you want. Hey, um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Uh, and then just the final little thing about like the intertextuality. Yes. Have we used that phrase before? I don't know if we have. Okay. That's a good phrase. Intertextuality Word. is just, uh, that the references to other scriptures in scripture. Right. The scripture talks about itself. And so this whole idea in this passage, like the history of this passage, when Jesus says, like, take my yoke upon you, uh, he's in the northern part of Galilee. Have we talked about it? No. So, okay, this is really cool. So he's in the northern part of Galilee, which is where uh, after Solomon's death, there is the great fracture of the kingdom of Israel from uh, in the north and the south. The southern two tribes, uh, the, tri- uh, the kingdom of Judah around Jerusalem, and the northern ten tribes uh, in the land of Samaria. And that's where Jesus is, right. is in this place. And so after Solomon dies, the chosen successor, I believe it's, it's either Jeroboam or Rehoboam, I forget which one's which, yep. but I think it's 
Jeroboam is a chosen successor, and Jeroboam is a son of Solomon, but not the chosen successor. Right. And he's a son through a wife of Solomon from one of the northern ten tribes. And so they pick him to go and talk and say, hey, are you going to, what sort of king are you going to be? Are you going to beat us? Are you gonna, what are you going to do? Your fa- uh, our father was hard on us. And he says, uh, and so the, the chosen king says, let me go think. And he goes and talks to Solomon's advisors, like, hey, listen, you're your dad, Solomon, was a great and wise king, but he pushed them hard. If you lay off them for a while, then they're going to love you and do whatever you want. Okay. And then he goes and talks to his buds, and they're just like, man, where your dad was, your dad wasn't hard enough on them. And so where he whipped them with, uh, when he scourged them with whips, you need to scourge them with scorpions, you know? And, um, and so he goes back and says to the 10 tribes of the north, he says, hey, listen, uh, you thought my father's yoke was heavy? Yep. You know, my father's thigh is not as heavy as my little finger. And uh, where he scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. And they leave. Yeah. And so, surprise, uh, surprise. And that leads to a whole bunch of disaster for both, for all of the 12 tribes of Israel in that moment. So Jesus kind of restoring and repairing in that moment and referencing back to that in this little section, right. which is just a really yeah. cool connection that you wouldn't know unless you read... Scripture. Yeah, all the context, exactly. Like you said, intertextuality. Yeah, like what's the, so I love that passage. Yep, yep. So what do you like? Mine also comes from uh, Matthew uh, a little bit later. The scene is a little bit further north, uh, just outside uh-huh. of the Holy Land, actually. Uh, this is Matthew 16. Um, thir- the, the, pa- the, the larger context is 13 and following, which is known especially uh, for Catholics who do know Scripture um, as sort of the basis for Peter's authority and therefore the authority of the Bishop of Rome, the Pope. Yeah. Um, you are Peter and on this rock and so on. Because Peter is the one, it's the who do, who do men say that I am? And this is one of my favorite passages. Um, I'm, I'm not going to focus on this, but Jesus' question, um, who do men, who do people say that I am? And the apostles tell him, this is, well, this is what they're saying, John the Baptist, Elijah, and so on. But who do you say that I am? So in terms of the spiritual application, that's a question that when I, when I hear that reading often, I think, who do I say that Jesus is? In my life, I, I can give you as a theologian, I can tell you the doctrine about who Jesus is, but who do I, who is he for in my life? Is he really Lord of my life, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Lord of my house. That's actually not though what I want to focus on. Ooh. So um, he goes on, Simon Peter's the one who answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We focus, tend to focus on you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church, which is of course true. Right. Um, the thing that several years ago, the, the next though, this is verse 18, the next part of this verse, and the gates of hell shall, shall not prevail against it. For a long time, when I thought about this verse, thinking of Peter, Peter's the rock and the church is built on the rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Meaning, and this is true as well, meaning that that the church is this mighty fortress that is impenetrable by the power of God, which is, or by the power of Satan rather, which is true, but that's not what the passage says it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church so the normal interpretation the one that i always was sort of the church Mm. is strong but on the defensive Mm. so the gates of the church shall not prevail against the power of hell but that's not what jesus said to peter he said the gates of hell 
cannot withstand the power of the church. So the church is not on the defensive Defensive. against the attacks of the enemy. The church is on the offensive, and the gates of hell cannot stand. They will fall before the power of Jesus Christ exercised through his church, built on the rock that is Peter and his successors. So to me, that that really changed, because I think... You know, one of the things we've talked before, we talked about the book, The Benedict Option, before it was a book. There was an episode we did years ago about, yeah, I I came across that just last week. So there's this idea in our culture that we gotta, we gotta hunker down. We gotta, we we gotta circle the reins. We gotta be on the defensive. That's not what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18. He says that hell cannot prevail against the power, that the gates of hell will be conquered by the power of Jesus Christ. So what you're saying is. It's time for an offensive? It's time for an offensive. All right, giddy up. Go make disciples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reclaim. You talked about this earlier, last episode, with uh, how there's always an exorcism done before baptism, even on a little baby. Yep. We do an ex. You, as the priest, exercise uh, the baby before you baptize the baby. Yep. Um, We are reclaiming in baptism and every other sacrament power from the power of darkness. But also to think about, so that's part of the the church assaulting the gates of hell. Right. And also the idea, though, that what would the gates of hell want us to think? They'd want us to think that they're more powerful than us. Exactly, exactly. Right? Psychological warfare. Exactly. Right? You know, oh, you can't defeat us. We are the greatest. Oh, yeah, you're right. We can't defeat us. All we can hope for is kind of just... Uh, this, this will be interesting to bring up this topic again in uh, a couple episodes when we talk on the book of Revelation. Mm. But um, but how exactly is that going to look? Right. You know, that's an interesting question, yeah. though. Yeah, You know, um, which is uh, some interesting questions on the church's conformity to the body of Christ. Right. So, but. so by lo- like you said, psychological warfare, we have to change our mentality. Jesus mm. promised that the power, the gates of hell cannot withstand him and his church. Right. Do we believe that or not? Yeah. So that's, that's the first one I want to start with. That's a great one. What about you? I love it. Uh, okay. Can I do a couple fun ones? Sure. All right. Uh, so just for fun. Uh, and like I discovered this, I don't know how I discovered this verse. Someone showed it to me and I always thought this would be a great one in case I get into like a verse slinging contest, you know, like with someone like a, a Christian, uh, not a Catholic, who's like, well, you know, like it says in Romans 5, chapter, chapter 3, that, uh, you know, and so it's like, and if like, if things just like get, get to a loggerheads, I would just love to say to them in return, I've never been able to do this, by the way, since this has happened. <laughs> and actually, like, since I started really like studying scripture back in 1990. 98, spring of 98, my freshman year of college, my f- sophomore year of college, sophomore year of college, um, when I first started really studying scripture, is um, the no one's ever gotten to like a verse contest with me anymore. Mm. Yeah. Like, what's the deal? Uh, but anyways, Galatians 5, 12. Which says... St. Paul's, Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verse 12, text. inspired scripture says... Would that those who are upsetting you might also castrate themselves. <laughs> it's in the Bible, people. It's in the Bible, people. So now, I mean, St. Paul here is getting worked up because he's talking about some uh, Christians who say that uh, in order to become Christian, you have to first become Jewish. And so that means if you're an adult male convert, you need to be circumcised. Right. Ritualistically circumcised in the Jewish uh, tradition before you can become Christian. And St. Paul says, no, you know, the, the law was there to prepare us for 
uh, the Messiah's coming. And now that he's here, we don't need to follow those ritual aspects of the law. Uh, instead, we follow Jesus Christ and baptism is the new circumcision. And so he gets worked up and he says, uh, whether those are upsetting, you might also castrate themselves. I think the RSV says, let the knife slip. Really? Yeah. So wow. he's kind of a circumlocution yeah. there. But so that's one of my favorite verses. All right. And these are just some of the exciting things you can learn by listening to... <laughs> Ignition, which is a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. Uh, we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Explain that verse. At the top of the show. Yeah, so explain that and, and live it. Um, I'm Chris Bergwald. Across the table from me is Father Andrew Dickinson. And we're t- discussing today our favorite scripture passages. Uh, if you've got questions about what we're discussing or if you've got ideas for future episodes, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet at us. Father, what's the Twitter handle? At SFDiocese, S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E, and the hashtag is ignition. So, um, Can I do one other fun verse? Please. Okay, numbers 2222. 22. Two, 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 two. Yeah, so the book of Numbers, so it's one of the first five books of the Bible. Yep. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, numbers 22, 22 and following. It's the story of Balaam. Balaam's been called to go and give a prophecy, but he doesn't want to. Yeah. And so God, uh, so Balaam sits on his donkey and he's going the wrong way, right? And as he goes along the way, this angel of the Lord stands in front of him to smite Balaam in his obstinance. And the donkey's the only one who sees it. And so the donkey turns away from the angel to protect Balaam. And uh, then Balaam beats the donkey to bring the donkey back on the road. Right. And then the angel Lord appears again this time. And uh, the, the donkey tries to go away, thus squishing Balaam's, wall against the leg, uh, ba- Balaam's leg against the wall. And Balaam beats the donkey a second time. A third time they go forward. Uh, with no room for the donkey to turn at the angel there. And so the donkey sees the angel and she lays down under Balaam. Now Balaam gets up. What's he do? He beats the donkey a third time. Surprise, surprise. Now the Lord opens the mouth of the donkey. This is one of the only times you ever, like, people say, oh, the Bible says all these words are fairy tales. This is like the only thing like that in the yeah. entire Bible. Yeah. So the, the donkey, this is, I think, pretty sure the only time an animal speaks. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. And the donkey says to Balaam, uh, what have I done to you that you would beat me these three times? And so, uh, and anyways, so like the Lord opens Balaam's eyes and he sees the angel there and realizes the donkey saved his life. And so it's right. just kind of a cute and fun story. Yeah, yeah. These are the little details that you don't know unless you read the Bible. I know. Um, by the way, speaking of just fun, not fun the same way, but fun nonetheless, last uh, month in July of, of 2017, I was um, at the Conference for Applied Biblical Studies mm-hmm. at Franciscan University of Steubenville. That sounds like great fun. It was. It was a lot of fun. And Dr. John Bergsma was one of the presenters. Um, and he gave <laughs> acronyms, right, with scripture, like especially the New Testament um, many Catholics are familiar with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. But then we have what what the Pauline corpus. So all of St. Paul's writings right. and trying to remember the order for them. Oh, yeah. Um, sometimes, okay, what? There's, there's Corinthians and there's Galatians and there's Colossians and there's Romans. And Dr. Bergsma had a help, help, helpful little thing. Um, what's the largest organization in the world? The Roman Catholic Church. R-C-C. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. The Roman Catholic Church. What's the second largest, don't know if this is really true, but the second largest uh, organization in the world, the General Electric Power Company. 
Galatians, <laughs> Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And then you've got 5T, uh, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, and Titus. Um, but what do you need to have? What do some people like with their tea? They like lemon, philemon. Uh, and if you don't like tea, Hebrews coffee. Hey. That's seriously for me, like especially like Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, and Colossians. Sometimes like, well, where when I'm open to one of those, but so that that's that's a helpful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's my little fun thing. So Balaam's donkey talks, and there's your uh, little acronym. Um, Father, what's a real for you? We'll, we'll go go do, yeah, go to you for a real passage that you really like. Well, one that I really like uh, is actually Psalm one thirty seven. Okay, and Psalm one thirty seven is a psalm that's often used by people to kind of disparage scripture. Okay, uh, because it's a it's one of the cursing psalms. Okay, and in this psalm, there's text where it talks about uh, you know um, would you dash uh, what is it. Uh, Blessed are the one who pays you back what you've done to us. Blessed are the one who seizes your children and smashes them against the rock. Right. And I remember hearing this uh, passage for the first time in a uh, sociology course in uh, Marshall, Minnesota, before I went to the seminary. And uh, the speaker was anti-Christian. The professor was anti-Christian. He was using this as an example of violence and evil in the Christian scriptures. Mm. And so it used to be a passage that's troubled me. And in fact, you'll never hear this full psalm in the Liturgy of the Hours or in the modern lectionary. Right. Because right. they think you can't handle it. Yes. But the truth is you can, because the truth is this psalm is actually kind of a joke in the midst of sorrow. Okay. And so if you read the full context of the psalm, it starts out, you know, they're at the rivers of Babylon. That means they're in uh, the Babylonian exile. The Jewish people are in the Babylonian exile, and there there's sadness, and their captors, those who have conquered Jerusalem, those who have despoiled the temple, those who have probably, you know, killed their brethren, wait, raped their sisters, and all sorts of horrible things. They're saying, hey, I want you to sing to us one of your Jewish songs. Sing to us one of your songs of your God, right? And they say, in response to you know, like, well, how could we sing a song of the Lord in foreign soil? And then they, they sing a curse on themselves, first of all. Like, if we forget you, Jerusalem, let our hand wither, let our tongue stick to the roof of our mouth if I don't exalt Jerusalem. And then they kind of go, all right, you want a song? We'll give you a song. Now, because the thing is, the Babylonians spoke Babylonian. Right. And the Jews spoke Hebrew or Aramaic. Right. And so the Jews start singing in a language the Babylonians don't know. Mm. Right? All right, you want us to sing a song? We'll sing you a song. Uh, Remember, Lord, against Edom that day at Jerusalem. They said, level it, level it down to its foundations. Desolate daughter Babylon, you shall be destroyed. So they're saying to their captors, you shall be destroyed. Blessed are the one who pays you back what you did to us. Blessed are the one who seizes your children, because you seized our children, and smashes them on the rock. Hmm. So it's kind of a mocking right. of that. Right. Uh, you want us to sing, we'll sing. Yeah, yeah. You want a song? We'll give you a song. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, that, that's kind of a favorite one. Kind of like, oh, I like understand the, the story of what's behind it. Nice. Yeah. So for me, um, we don't have time to go into the whole passage. One of the most famous uh, par- of Jesus' parables yeah. is the parable of usually called of the prodigal son. 
Um, and again, it's it, we don't even have time to read it, let alone discuss it. The thing yeah. that I want to focus on, though, is with the um, the older brother <laughs> at the end, um, because oftentimes, even for me, even though I stopped, I, I was during uh, the early college years, I wasn't practicing my faith and I was misbehaving and so on. I still tend to think of myself as uh, not ever prodigal. Even right. though I've been the prodigal son, the younger brother in my own way, but I think of, you want prodigal. I'll show you <laughs> prodigal. <laughs> but I tend to think of myself, you know, when I'm not thinking, thinking. Well, I identify with the older brother. He's always done what is right, and so on. Um, and, and so I've I've often wondered what why is the um, well, I, I'm sympathetic to the older brother. What was struck me recently, though, is is that when you read the entire. Uh, the entire parable, and you read the 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 older brother. This connects back to um, your point about Matthew eleven twenty five. The older brother, brother, when when the father comes out and speaks with him, the older brother says to him, um, "Behold, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. You, you never gave me a kid that I might make marry with my friends, and so on." Mm-hmm. The older brother seems himself as what a servant, servant. or a slave. Not his, as a not as a son, his his relationship with his father is transactional or economic, mm-hmm. and to your point about Jesus revealed to me the depth mm, of the Father's yeah, love. Yeah, Lord, may I see as you said, may I see that I am not just God the Father's slave or servant, but I am by baptism His son. Mm. That's the fault of the older brother that he, like the younger brother, in his own way, both both sons fail to see the fact that their father is just that—a father who loves them deeply—and they don't need to earn that. They're that by means of their birth. And so, I think for us as Catholics, whether we identify more with the younger brother or the older brother, to recognize that both of them fail because they do not see that they are, by virtue of their baptism sons of the father in the context of, of us as Christians, that, that we don't need to earn or slave or be a servant to God in order for him to love us. He loves us first. And then we rejoice as his beloved children. Yeah. I love that. We got like one minute left. Father, is there a, a passage that you want to briefly speak to? Well, um, yes, uh, briefly. Oh, where'd the list go? I went to, the, um, briefly would be Proverbs nine, eight. Okay. Uh, Proverbs 9 8. There's a t shirt I saw once that says, Haters gonna hate Proverbs 9 8. Okay. And so, a Proverbs 9 8 says, is, uh, Do not reprove the ignorant, lest they hate you. Reprove the wise, and they will love you. Do not reprove the ignorant, lest they. The arrogant. The arrogant, lest they hate you. Reprove the wise, and they will love and you. And they will love you. Oh. Yeah. So, if you correct a wise person, they love you. Oh, thank you. Wow. I want to know that. Mm. Whereas the arrogant, hate you when you uh, correct them. There we go. And so that's kind of a fun one. That is a good one. Short, um, sh- a short hit from you? Uh, n- I got nothing short. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, can I just say then, invite me back when you do the book of Psalms. Because if you go through the Old Testament series, yeah, yeah. I'd, l- I'd love to do the book of Psalms. You want to do the Psalms? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's 150 of them. Yep. It's so maybe two-parter. I don't okay. know. <laughs> but I love the Psalms. Like, if you ever read anything, if you want to like, get into the Old Testament, read the Psalms. Mm. Uh, even They refer to a lot of history from the other books, but at the same time, they're beautiful in themselves. And then when you go back and read the history books, uh, then you go back to the Psalms and they're even better. Amen. And that will wrap up with this episode of Ignition. Again, email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet us, sfdiocese, hashtag ignition, with questions about today's episode. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.